I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. How are you, Gary Jr.? Doing well. How are you you doing? Good. Well, you know, it's football season now. They talk about basketball players. I think that's kind of ended. I think everyone's kind of settled where they're going to be. And then, yes, my Yankees are still in the hunt. Even though, Gary, it's been very painful to watch the Yankees over the last few weeks. They lost a 15-game lead. And... uh, And right now, thanks to some great hitting in the last couple of games over the weekend, they 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 have about a five and a half game lead over over the uh, the Rays. But it's really shaky. It's it's really shaky. They're not going to uh, be in the running. I don't believe to have the best record in the American League, which would allow them. Obviously, you have to win one series, have to win another series to allow them and and the ultimate championship series have the home field advantage. I don't think that's going to happen because Houston is um, ahead of the Yankees by about five or six games right now, and there are not a whole lot of games left left to be played. But the big story, <laughs> the sub story of all of this is the uh, Aaron Judge taste. And, and Aaron Judge is, uh, as I'm speaking now, he's he hasn't had a home run in about four or five games, and hopefully that will end, and hopefully he will be able to pass Roger Maris uh, and also, uh, you know, obviously um, become the all-time home run single-season person in the American League by doing so. I say in the American League because, obviously, Barry Bonds has hit 73 home runs, and Aaron Judge said he recognizes that as that being the, the all-time record, but he could still have the record for for the American League. And right now, I believe, having passed A-Rod, he has the record that no one talks about, that being uh, in the American League uh, home run record for a right-hander. I guess I'm breaking it down too much. But <laughs> another story that I'm following on baseball game, we'll get right into your, your 10 through 6 current NBA players. But I have to mention this story because I am really pulling for this guy. And that is Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols surpassed A-Rod, a steroid user, in the home run chase of all time. And he is only two or about three home runs, as I'm speaking right now, away from 700 home runs in his career. And since he has already announced that this is his last year playing, oh, boy, I'm pulling for him. And uh, I I just hope that he can get get the 700 home runs. Uh, that would be really magnificent upon him being able to do so. Um, that would only leave uh, let's see, uh, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds as far as the uh, record for the all-time home runs in a career. And so I'm, I'm pulling for Albert because uh, like Hank Aaron and like Babe Ruth, we don't know for certain about Babe Ruth. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but we do know for certain about Hank Aaron. Did so unassisted. No PDS, nothing like that. He he has played the game right 
and uh, and and Gary, you had a chance to see him play all all th all during his career growing up, and he he's always been a a gentleman, an outstanding representative for baseball, and you just just gotta like the guy, and hopefully he will be able to hit just three more, at least three more home runs to get to that 700 plateau. So that's what's going on in baseball, Gary. You'll make any comments on that before we zoom right into our 10 through 6 for you as far as the top current players as the NBA season. They're getting ready, Gary, to get started. I want to make this note. Uh, I agree with you, um, you know, about Hank Aaron, even though guys out there like Rob Parker would say, well, they used greenies back then, so they didn't really use it, which we all know. That's just their way of trying to make Barry Bonds the greatest baseball player ever, even though we know Barry Bonds cheated. Barry Bonds, Gary, I'm going to Go ahead. I'm sorry. I shouldn't interrupt you. Go ahead. Especially. And so, um, you know, I get why Aaron Judge is just saying that Barry Bonds is the, uh, you know, has the record. I think he's just saying it to be nice because. Uh, Aaron Judge is one of those guys that he wants to be the face of baseball. And, you know, the best way to handle the, you know, that situation is for the people that believe Barry Bonds uh, um, is the uh, greatest player of all time because the other, you know, because the pitchers use it. That's why it's not a big deal in their eyes. But to me, Barry Bonds should not even be in this conversation. I think it's a complete waste of time. I agree. If, I agree. If baseball won't put him in the Hall of Fame, why should we recognize him as that guy? I know there's some guys in the Hall of Fame that did take steroids, and we know it. But the fact that they didn't even budge to put Barry Bonds in is why we shouldn't even, you know, even have a part of this conversation. I agree. Uh, now, Judge is from California, and he grew up in 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 a, in a time in which. Um, Barry Bonds was his idol. So that's one of the uh, reasons why uh, I think why he has said that as well, uh, other than him being a team man, you know, obviously, you know, going along with the program and the program does have Bonds as number one and single season and career home runs. Uh, but Roger Maris Jr. is not too happy with Barry Bonds. I mean, with uh, Aaron Judge for making that comment because he clearly, clearly stated in the papers not too long ago, that being Roger Maris Jr., that he was disappointed in Judge acknowledging uh, Barry Bonds in that way. But, you know, I look at all those guys, you know, McGuire, Sammy Sosa. I mean, they were a joke. I mean, you had a guy who played for, I can't even think of his name, for the Orioles, who hit like 54 home runs in the year before he hit like 12. You know, so it was just absolutely, uh, you know, just so ridiculous of an era of baseball. But I'm just pulling for, for, for Albert Pujols, who, who did it the right way to be able to get to that 700 mark over, over a lot of people who uh, didn't do it, who, who didn't do it the right way. I'm talking about A-Rod and some others. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm happy for him. And, you know, the Yankees, oh boy, I tell you, they're okay. the cardiac kids as far as I'm concerned. Can I just say this real quick, uh, just getting off the, uh, off the Yankees, because to me that's a, that's a story that's going to continue because they're bad. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, Elm says, so listen, when I say bad, I'm not saying that they're not a playoff team. They're not a great team, but we have to talk about them because we're Yankee fans. That's just yeah. what we do. Yeah. But uh, Albert Pujols, you know, I would love for Albert Pujols to come, you know, uh, to come back for one more season and just sign with the Cardinals on a 10-day contract if he doesn't get to 700 this season. I think 
I thought that would be great for baseball, and I think he should uh, consider it, even if you know, just for like a 10-day contract, just for him to get to the 700 mark, because it's a huge deal uh, to get to that point. I agree, Gary. In fact, I thought, quite frankly, that at one time, just for like a th- for like a minute, that the Yankees were going going to allow A-Rod to have that. Exp- and then I realized, no, that ain't, that's not happening. The Yankees weren't even happy that he was approaching 700. And really, they didn't honor it, didn't really want to follow it. You well, know. <laughs> well, that was because he would get a bonus if he hit on certain milestones. And they didn't want oh, him to hit. Oh, I see. They I didn't see. want him to hit a milestone after he basically <laughs> said that I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And yeah, yeah I, got I got you. I got you. I got you. Again. I got you. But, Gary, one of the thrills of my, my life was seeing Roger Maris at number 61. I mean, it was really – I was only a little boy. I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, it was such a such a thrill. And it was really so, – there was so much pressure on on, on Maris uh, because, you know, Babe Ruth was just, just, just an icon. And just like there was a hell of a lot of pressure on Hank Aaron. I mean, really brutal pressure when he passed 714 and, and beat Hank Aaron uh, – Babe Ruth in the all-time home run. Uh, uh, derby years ago, that too was really, it got to be kind of nasty in that one because a lot of people just did not want a black guy to surpass Babe Ruth. I mean, it was just, it was really, really got ugly. So to, to live through those types of moments is, is really, really thrilling. And and that's why, you know, the judge chase for, for 61, because I think that to me, just get the 62 and to me that you're, 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 you're the guy, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I tell you, it's 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 great to see. And everyone, every time he comes up the bat, you know, obviously everyone has their cameras out, and you know, it's it's just uh, it's exciting. So you're you're living through that experience, and I live through the guy who has the title right now in the American League, and I think of all time that being Roger Maris. Okay, Gary. So let's go with your your top. Well, from ten to six, I think you're going to now, right? Is that right? Yes, and I think this is the most controversial part of my entire list. <laughs> okay, um, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely excited to uh, have this conversation uh, with you, and I know that your list will probably differ from mine. My number ten player is the guy that I think we both mentioned um, in the last two podcasts that I think you know um, he belongs on this list and high on this list, based off the fact that over the last few years, and that's Jimmy Butler. So I have Jimmy Butler as the 10th best player in the NBA this year, uh, mm-hmm. going to this year. Um, I know not put up the greatest numbers. He averaged 21 points a game last season, but he is a difference maker. And he's one of those guys that and I'll describe him would kind of be like, how Andre Iguodala was early in his career with the Sixers. You probably, you know, for those people mm-hmm. who do not remember, Andre Iguodala was carrying the Denver Nuggets to win, and they didn't have any other real guy on their team. Uh, Jimmy Butler's obviously better than Andre Iguodala ever was. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he's able to carry his team to the finals. Uh, you know, you know, even though I mean, it was in the bubble, the one thing that the bubble definitely did and taught or not just talk, but showed everybody is leadership is important. And the teams that got to the finals that, that year had tremendous leadership. And Jimmy Butler showed that you know, out, of all the, out of all the teams, you know, he was able to lead his team, and he's done it back-to-back years. The Miami Heat, the most talented team in the Eastern Conference last year, and they're not going to be the most talented team in the Eastern Conference this year. But the fact that they were able to be the number one seed just showed what Jimmy Butler is able to do 
um, in its totality. Um, it's sad that the Miami Heat, um, you know, can't get another another guy in there to help Jimmy Butler out. But in the NBA, uh, you know, in Eastern Conference Finals last year, he had some games where he didn't look great due to injury, but he had, you know, he had a forty-seven point game in there. You know, he he yeah. definitely showed up. He definitely delivered, and he definitely he actually canceled out Jason Tatum in that series because they both had great games and some bad ones. The difference was Jalen Brown and all the other guys were just better than Bam and Tyler and else. But the Miami Heat also started to break down as well. And so, you know, I would like to see how Jimmy Butler this year, as we know, the Eastern Conference is now loaded with the addition of Donovan Mitchell to the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a lot more interesting and it'll be a very um, intriguing to see where the Miami Heat fall with all these other teams finally getting healthy. But Jimmy Butler belongs to his team success and his leadership and and the fact that he's the best player on the team. There's really no debate there. Um, so, so for me, Jimmy Butler is number 10 on my list. Do you have anything that you'd like to add? Or- well, I, I, I like Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, I'll be doing my 10 through 6 um, most likely next week. I, I'm, I've always uh, held him in great esteem. He's a He's a team player, a great defensive player. You know, I did not have him in the top ten, as you know, but he, he is a uh, he's a great player. And how can you not give him a tremendous amount of credit for the success of the Miami Heat? Because he has truly been the the, the leader of that team. Uh, I think that what it also I have to also give some credit, and I, I always do to to pat riley because that the organization that miami has you know they they seem to know how to how to win and they know how to play and they and they're in great shape and they play great defense they play team defense they play team basketball no one's out there getting you know averaging 30 points a game i mean butler is the leading scorer and he's i don't think he's ever averaged over 22 23 points a game and so yet they still put up numbers that are just fantastic so uh, I want to give credit to the coach and also to the organization because Gary, there are a lot of organizations that are just are not good, you know. <laughs> and and Butler could be a piece of work too. I'm not going to say that he's not hard to handle sometimes because you may not remember, but that experience in Minnesota didn't go too well, and Philadelphia was kind of like a all right. Uh, he played well in Chicago. I mean, he was uh, you know, but, but it took him a while to get to the point where we called him a bona fide star or superstar or star. Um, but we, we the talent was there. But I also want to give some credit to Miami because I think that they have helped him um, be the player that he has, be, he has become. Just like I've always said that LeBron was very fortunate to go to Miami, not because of D-Wade, not because of Bosch. They were great players, don't get me wrong, but because he was forced to do things to help the team win games. And guess what they did? They won games in Miami, so I, I want to give the organization credit as well. But that doesn't diminish the the, the 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 quality of player that Jimmy Butler is. But I just think that that organization also made him uh, shine a little better. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Gary. Uh, yeah, well, I I actually so I agree with certain things that you said, but I don't agree with all of it. You know, mm-hmm. now, I don't want to get uh, too much into it. But the Chicago Bulls taught Jimmy, you know. Eh, Jimmy Butler's career is one of those careers where he won't, you know, uh, it's it's hard for me to explain it, but like it's different for him because he wasn't a top player. 
So the mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls, you know, he was just a hard-nosed guy with Tom Thibodeau. Yep. And the reason why it didn't work in Minnesota is it's something that I appreciate. Is he realized those guys were soft and they didn't have a good work ethic. Now, mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns has a great work ethic now. And Andrew Wiggins, because he went to Golden State, had a great work ethic now. Yeah. But at yep. the time, they did not have a good work they ethic. They did not. It was a bad organ- it's a bad organization. And, it still is a bad and, organization. And Jimmy Butler saw right through that. Now, mm-hmm. I think Carl Anthony Towns is doing a better job trying to make it a better organization. I think he's actually is now in the leadership role because he realized how bad he looked after Jimmy Butler left. And when Jimmy Butler went to Philadelphia, we don't want to get into this guy too much, but I guess we have to. He saw that BS, Ben Simmons. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And Jimmy Butler, and, and that's why that fell apart. Yeah. So this yeah. is the first, this is a perfect place for Jimmy Butler um, from the standpoint that, um, Miami, they they preach hard work and work ethic. That's what that's Jimmy right. Butler is. That's, that's his right. entire career. Pat and Riley, so, yeah, yeah, so, interrupt you for one second. Pat Riley organizations, I don't care if you're Pat Ewing playing for the Knicks. I don't care if you're Magic Johnson playing. For, I don't care where you are with the Lakers. They work their butts off. And they, you could tell, they do so many sprints and suits. You could tell. I mean, you can just tell the difference. And, and, and no one, no one on that court gives up or slacks off. It's just not allowed, LeBron James. I mean, it's just not allowed. You can't do that when you're playing for a Pat Riley team. It doesn't work. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So that's why I don't want to say nine more. He's already been shining. It's just that he finally had fit an organization that worked for him. I would say in Chicago with, with Tom Thibodeau, they helped him shine. Because after Derrick Rose got injured, he became the guy. Yeah. So they helped them shine. Miami, all Miami's doing is putting him in an organization exactly the way Jimmy Butler would want it to be. It's yeah. almost like Jimmy Butler is doing what LeBron has been doing for the last what twelve years and Kevin Durant has done the last few years of his career. Where he's basically chosen the organization, chosen the team, except he didn't have to choose any of it. It kind of just kind of fell in his lap. Yeah. Because the Miami Heat are perfect for him. This is the perfect situation with Jimmy Butler. And that's they why are. he's playing at such a high level. They are. And I and I, I agree with you, Gary. And I, I, and I also think they're just a piece away from being a championship team, even in a tough division, even in a tough league. Because they're they're they have the fundamentals down. They have they really do, and they have the they have what's needed. I mean, look how close they've come with the with the talent they have. So with, with another piece or two, I I <laughs> watch out. So my number nine, and I think Listeners, uh, I will know. I was, we know this one is because on our last show, I was very disappointed that you had this guy even outside your top fifteen, and that's John Morant. I have John Morant as the ninth best player in the NBA right now. Best season of his career, having twenty-seven. I'm sorry, having twenty-four points a game. I'm sorry, having twenty-seven points a game. I was right the first time, and averaging almost seven assists a game. He had single-handedly changed the Memphis Grizzlies franchise. They got my top three seeded. I'm in the Western Conference. And the reason why I have him so high is for the simple fact that, you know, yes, he hasn't played a whole lot of years in the NBA. The change in the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, I was able to see that with Trey Young. Trey Young made a big change to Atlanta, to Atlanta Hawks. I just think, you know, Trey Young doesn't play great defense or doesn't really play any defense. That's why he's not on my list. The guy that also, you know, the same thing happened 
and with, and with his team as well. But John Morant has changed the Memphis Grizzlies because, as, you know, as we all know, Memphis Grizzlies, when they had Mike Conley, their major problem was they didn't have an explosive guard that can score 30, you know, whenever they needed him to. And for the first time, Memphis has a guy that can do that. And the Memphis Grizzlies are extremely competitive with John Morant. And I think he's also probably, you know, one of the top two or three most popular players in the NBA as well, which is great to see um, a guy uh, in a quote, you know, in a, a quote unquote small market, um, you know, have that uh, ability, even though I, I believe Adam Silver should have given the Knicks a second pick in the draft. That's neither here or there. Uh, John Morant has definitely surpassed my expectations. And I believe he's going to even climb on this list even more for uh, uh, this season. A few months a few months in last season, he was a top five MVP candidate. Um, now, my only concern with him, which he's not even higher on my list, is because of, because of his injuries. But when you look at him as an individual player and what he has done to to lift his team, he has to be in the top ten uh, for me going into this season. Well, Gary, you know I, I love John Morant, and 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 for a number of reasons. Uh, it's just that he hasn't done it long enough. So I think that uh, next year, I think he, there's no question next year, he, if he has a year that he had last year uh, he, and plays at least 65, 60, 75 games, no doubt he's going to be well up in my top 10 because I'm going to go even further. I think he's going to potentially be the guy that we're going to be talking about three to five years from now as one of the best current players in the NBA. I think of him that highly. Some pe- people may say, oh, well, wait, wait to Zion and wait to Sean. So wait. No, no, no. This guy is Mr. Excitement. This guy is a guy that people will want to buy tickets just to see. Now, Memphis is not a big market. We all know that. But people it will come to see John Moran. I think that, that in the future, that's going to be even more so. It's like well, I always get out, get, you know, talk about. I've talked about this so many times in the past. You know, would you would you get out during a snowstorm to see to see uh, the Tim Duncan? No, I would not. I would not. I would not. I would not go through a snowstorm to see Tim Duncan. I can see that on TV, and I'm fine. I'm good. But would you go through a snowstorm to see this guy, John Morant? Yes, because this guy is just a phenomenal athlete. Learning how to become a great basketball player—that's that's what he is. I mean, he can't—he doesn't shoot that well from the outside. He, he's erratic sometimes. He—he he is going to get better because he will become a better basketball player because he's working at his game to shoot better and and he handles the ball well. But he could—that could be done even better. Um, he passes well, but that could be so. There's things that he could do better, and his team really believes in him, and his team is a solid organization. I mean, solid team because. Even when he wasn't there, they still were challenging Phoenix for that number number one spot in, in the West and during the regular season and surpassed Golden State. So I I, I just have nothing but um, the worst part about it is he's in a market that you know won't uh, allow him to get the visibility at the same type of visibility as, as some other players. But I think the NBA is wise enough to realize they're going to put Memphis on TV. I mean, that's just, they're just going to have to because this guy is just that talented and as the other players get older in time but with time that being the Steph Curry's of the world and obviously the Browns of the world and, uh, and the Durant's of the world as all those players get get older 
it's going to be even more more of a requirement to move, move this guy more in prime time because he is just that outstanding here. And I, I'm happy that we have guards, small guards who are who are really coming in, as you said before, the guy from from uh, you know Trey Young from Atlanta. You know, just changed the face of a team almost like Iverson. They're not going to put him. They're not. I don't, he's not an Iverson yet, but he has that potential to to, to be is is to be an Iverson. You come in there and just change a whole team. And, and make a team uh, that doesn't have a well, Iverson had no talent with him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the, you know, sorry guys who played with Iverson in Philadelphia. You didn't, okay? But, you know, when it comes to John Moran, he does have some talented players around him and a good coach as well. I'm going to give kudos to him also. And, you know, they, it's going to be exciting in the next few years of basketball, but you're not going to be able to talk about basketball without mentioning the name John Moran. I completely agree with you. And I think this goes back to, why um, free interesting in the NBA because all these top players want to join forces in big markets where all they got to do is just look at a team like Memphis yeah. or look at a team like Miami and be like, if I join this team, I'm the reason why we want, but they don't want to do that because they, you know, they think it's a quote unquote small market. So they'd rather not get the credit and go to a big market and, and do it that way. But I think the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, I think they're going to really grow as a team this year. I think they're, you know, they're looking at it, you know, similar to how the State looked at it when they won their first championship. I'm sorry, before they won their first championship, they lost in seven games to the Clippers. And they felt like they should have beaten the Clippers that year with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And I look at Memphis and I'm like, I think Memphis believes that they should have beaten Golden State mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. But injuries happen. Uh, you know, John Moran had, got hurt. Dylan Burks got suspended. They feel like they should have won that series, and maybe they're right, and maybe this would be the year where they actually will show it. But I think John Morant will have a great year this season, and I do agree with you. I think by the time, um, you know, he's not he's not in his prime yet. Nope. I believe that he will, uh, you know, surpass Steph Curry when Steph Curry starts to decline, as and he'll, you know, he'll be the best point. So, I agree. Now, so now the list gets hard. <laughs> because a lot of people are going to be upset with my next uh, my next selection, but I don't have another choice. You'll see why. My number eight best player going into this year is LeBron James. Ooh. And the reason why I have LeBron James here because he doesn't play any defense anymore. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he, he had his best, I think, one of his best individual seasons of his career, averaging 30 points a game this season. But after a while, you know, it felt like he was just chasing numbers. Um, my biggest issue with LeBron last season was the fact that, uh, you know, and again, it's not his fault. I'm, I'm sorry, part of it, But the fact that the media made it seem like that Russell Westbrook didn't fit the Los Angeles Lakers, and he didn't fit the Los Angeles Lakers because they were asking him to play without the ball, and he can't shoot. Uh, but there's another guy on his team that can shoot a little better than him. You know, he's an average three-point shooter who won't play without the ball either, and that's LeBron. He's supposed to be the small forward on the team. Why is he playing? If Russell Westbrook is playing the position that he's supposed to be playing and LeBron's playing the position that he's supposed to be playing, it will work out a lot better because LeBron has, you know, to his credit, he's accurate as streaky as three-point 
have a few games where he can make it, you know, uh, you know, three or four on three points. And he can attack the basket, you know, just as well as he's ever attacked the basket. Well, yeah, yeah, as well as he's been able to attack the basket over the last few years. But that's why the Lakers are struggling. They're asking Russell Westbrook to be a, you know, to be a um, an off-ball, not his game. That should be mm-hmm. LeBron's job. And I take points away from that because if if he's supposed to be, um, you know, the best, the second best player on the planet, wherever they have him, he won't even play without the ball. Even try to help his team uh, become a better, um, become better. Now, you know, see what happens this year. I expect to see the same thing. I expect the Lakers to be a seventh and eighth seed, maybe at the highest a sixth seed this year. Um, I don't need improvement from this team. They haven't gotten any better, and I don't expect LeBron to be better this season. I expect him to basically the same thing he's been doing the last few years. We know he's going to be chasing Kareem's record, and that will be huge for him individually. And on our, you know, on our all-time rank, you know, I said it before, if LeBron um, is you know becomes all-time leading scorer, which he will be. He may be top five, you know, he'll probably be top five for me um, at that point. But it's his job to, you know, when you get to this level, the guys we're talking about, they don't just numbers. They affect winning, and he doesn't do that anymore, mainly because he won't play the other side of the ball, and he's not willing to play off the ball. So that's a big knock um, for me, and as we go up higher on this list, you know, you'll see exactly why he's not higher than these guys. And we start mentioning some of these players, and we're like, nope, he didn't have a better year than those guys. So, yeah, I have LeBron 8. I know that could be controversial, but I'm looking at it from a standpoint of he put up big numbers, the team didn't win, and and that's on him. And he's not willing to change, which is also on him. Well, Gary, I'm not, I'm not you know, going to say where I have LeBron at this point, but you know, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and and though he did average 30 points a game, one of his best scoring years ever. In fact, if he probably played or exerted himself, he may have won the uh, scoring title over Embiid. You know, so he, he had, from that perspective, a, a good year. I, I agree with you. I think that he was just looking to pull up numbers and they weren't looking at winning games because they didn't seem that bothered by the fact that they were losing. I mean, they were a disaster. I mean, Lakers are just... Totally a disaster, as far as I'm concerned. But um, you know, LeBron is LeBron. I'm. A, I really have nothing else to say at this point. I'll. I'll probably make comments when I introduce my ten through six. But um, I hear you. Right. What do you have? And also, and also, let me say this as well. This is not a lifetime achievement award, right? There's yeah, that's right. We're why, not talking about this. We're talking there's about the reason players. why I have John Morant at nine, and the reason why I have John Morant. You know, below um, LeBron is the simple fact that LeBron did have a great individual season this year. You just have to give him his credit. He he had a great individual season. Yeah. But every single guy in my top ten, they made the playoffs, but him. Yep. <laughs> That's enough. That's no, I, I, the other the other guys that you know that I mentioned on my list. Anthony Davis barely he's on. He played, and Damian Lillard. I think only. Two months this season, of yeah, yeah. So he's honestly, if you if you want to be, honest, he's the only guy. You know, him and Anthony Davis are the only two guys that didn't make the top. You know, that made my top fifteen that didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the way it goes. And you know, when you're at this level, you are expected to 
uh, sometimes, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, even, you know, just taking sports just for a quick second, I expect Tom Brady and the Bucks to make the playoff this year. I know he's 45 years old, but if he's that guy, I expect that. That's just the mm-hmm. way it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it works in sports. Uh, so I'll I'll get off that topic. And I'll, my number seven guy who, again, this could be controversial as well, but I got the Joker at seven. I got Nikola as the seventh best player in the NBA. I get it. He back-to-back MVP. I think uh, this MVP was very questionable. I don't think he deserved it. But, right. And let's give him his credit where credit is due. You know, analytically, I think he had the best season ever or, or something like that. That's why they gave it to him. Uh, best shooting from the field, shooting 58% from the floor. And, you know, I, from all big men, he's always been a great free throw shooter. He's always been above 80% from the free throw line. And he averaged 14 rebounds, and he averaged 27 assists. I'm sorry, 27 points and eight assists this season, which is great. Those are all big time numbers, especially on a team that didn't have Jamal Murray and a team that didn't have Michael Porter Jr. for most of the year. So he was basically playing by himself, which is an incredible, incredible because the Denver Nuggets made the playoffs uh, on this year. Which is again, I deduct points from certain players uh, because. You know, the Joker's a perfect of not having any talent on his team. And, you know, we know the Joker's not the greatest defensive player. And he was able to do this for his team. So, on this one's pretty self-explanatory for me. I think, um, you know, the reason why he's not higher is because his ability to play defense. He's not great on the pick and roll. Um, you know, he's exceptional on offense. He can literally run, you know, the entire team. I'm sorry, uh, he can run the offense for his entire team, and I would love to see what happens when Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. Well, we don't know if Michael Porter Jr. is ever going to be healthy, but to see you know what's going to happen with Jamal Murray and and uh, this season. So I have the Joker at seven. Okay, Gary, I, I agree with you on the fact that he didn't deserve the MVP award. That's for sure. <laughs> Not this one. Uh, Embiid to me was better from every every statistical perspective. Is sc- scoring. Uh, rebounding, they may have been on par. Shooting percentage uh, from three, Embiid was one of the leaders. Just uh, from so many perspectives. And I think the, the, the 76ers had a better record as well. And no one could have gone through more turmoil than what what the 76ers went through with, with BS on their team uh, for, for a while. So, that was, so to me, um, he, he wasn't the MVP. And I do hear you when you say he's number seven. So, you know, we'll see where I have him a little later. But we can be, we'll compare apples with apples and, and see how, uh, how how he pans out. Uh, who do you have for your number six? So, again, this was another hard one for me. I was going back and forth with this. So, from four to six, I was going back and forth on obviously my four to six on another show. I'm sorry, on four to five on another show. Uh, my number six um, – is definitely one of my favorite players to watch. He's always one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. And, you know, uh, and his name is Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, now four-time champion, and, and finally has won his first finals MVP. So congratulations to Steph Curry on that again. Uh, but Steph Curry is exactly the type of player that I want on my team to build a team around. Because he is so selfish, oh, sorry, selfless, 
and he's able to play without the ball, play with the ball, and he's and he allows Draymond Green to really be the point forward on that team, and Steph is completely fine with it. But we also know if Steph's on the team and just Draymond, they win 10 games. So that showed you the impact of Steph Curry on his team. Um, Scoring-wise, he had a down year, um, you know, only averaging 25 points a game um, this um, last season. But, you know, every other numbers for – you know, all the other numbers for him pretty were pretty much, you know, what they normally are for him. Uh, but, you know, Golden State, it was very clear that Golden State did not really care about the number one seed. And they kind of let Phoenix get uh, um, get the number one seed. But, you know, when the playoffs times hit, they were ready. They were ready to go. And they were able to show exactly why they're, you know, they've been a quote-unquote dynasty for the last, what, seven, seven eight years. So Steph Curry, uh, to me, uh, belongs on this list. I can't put him in the top five uh, just because, one, he did have a down year. And, two, there's, you know, there's five other guys that I think – Carry you know that that carry their team a little better than he does. Um, the Golden State Warriors run a great offense. They're a great um, system team. He's Tim Duncan of this generation. I get <laughs> I get Tim Duncan and Steph Curry for the excitement are not on the same level, not in the same playing field. But Tim Duncan played in a system and he worked the system to perfection. And that's what got him five championships. Steph Curry does the same thing. They, they run their system to perfection. It doesn't matter who's on their team. They run it very well. And he has a great competitive spirit that keeps him um, in every game. And, of course, you know, he's the best shooter we've ever seen. And now he's the all-time leader in three-point, uh, you know, and three-pointers made. And he can put that record so far, you know, in the stratosphere that, you know, you know, that no one will ever break again, which will be exciting. Watching, excited to see. So I have Steph Curry as my number six player, but boy, it was hard to put him, you know, outside my top five. Don't forget to subscribe.